metabolic integration of bacterial endosymbionts through antimicrobial peptides. Abstract. Antimicrobial peptides, or AMPs, are massively produced by eukaryotic hosts during symbiotic interactions with bacteria. Among other roles, these symbiotic antimicrobial peptides have the capacity to permeabilize symbiont membranes and facilitate metabolite flow across the host-symbiont interface. We propose that an ancestral role of these peptides is to facilitate metabolic exchange between the symbiotic partners through membrane permeabilization. This function may be particularly critical for integration of endosymbiont and host metabolism in interactions involving bacteria with strongly reduced genomes lacking most small metabolite transporters. Moreover, antimicrobial peptides could have acted in a similar way at the onset of plastid and mitochondrial evolution after a host cell took up a bacterium and needed to extract nutrients from it in the absence of dedicated solute transporters. Section 1. Eukaryotic hosts use antimicrobial peptides to interact with their bacterial endosymbionts. Antimicrobial peptides are mediators of innate immunity in eukaryotes. Their function is to kill unwanted and potentially harmful invading microbes. The best studied antimicrobial peptides do so by targeting bacterial membranes and making them porous. Recently, a wealth of transcriptome studies of symbiotic associations showed that abundant production of a high diversity of specific antimicrobial peptides or symbiotic antimicrobial peptides in symbiotic organs of a range of host eukaryotic organisms. For example, the legume Medicago truncatula provides several hundred different peptides called nodule-specific cysteine-rich peptides, or NCRs that are specifically expressed in the root nodule cells that harbor the nitrogen-fixing rhizobium endosymbionts. In the few cases where subcellular localization and function of symbiotic antimicrobial peptides have been studied, these peptides were found to be targeted to the endosymbiotic bacteria in vivo and to show antimicrobial activity against in vitro-grown symbionts or other bacteria. Yet, by employing this arsenal of antimicrobials, the objective of the host is clearly not to eradicate their symbiotic microbes. In a few systems, specific functions of symbiotic antimicrobial peptides have been studied experimentally, revealing that they may control symbiotic interactions by limiting reproduction of symbiotic bacteria, sometimes transforming them thereby into a differentiated form and eliminating undesirable sensitive bacteria. Section 2. Symbiotic plant antimicrobial peptides that induce the release of metabolites from bacteria. Recent work on the Alnus franchia symbiosis suggests that there might be a further function of antimicrobial peptides in symbiosis. 
Alna's tree form root nodules containing intracellular nitrogen-fixing Franchia bacteria. The Franchia-containing nodule cells produce symbiotic antimicrobial peptides similar in sequence to Defensin's well-known innate immunity antimicrobial peptides attacking bacterial membranes. At least one of these peptides, named Ag5, is targeted to the Franchia symbionts and accumulates preferentially in its membranes. In vitro, Ag5 has antimicrobial activity against cultured Franchia, but at sublethal concentrations that maintain normal respiration and nitrogen fixation in bacteria, Ag5 provokes an increased permeability of the bacterial membranes and leads to release of amino acids, particularly glutamine and glutamic acid, from the cells into the medium. This finding suggests that these nodule-specific peptides are involved in the met metabolic exchange between the franchia and nodule cells, enabling a flow of nitrogen-rich amino acids from the symbionts to the host cells. At least some of the nodule-specific cysteine-rich peptides produced by the legume medicago are also able to bind in vitro the symbiont membranes and to permeabilize them. This correlates with an increased permeability of the endosymbiont membranes in the symbiotic organ, most likely resulting from the action of these nodule-specific cysteine-rich peptides. Thus, besides inducing the endosymbionts in a differentiated state, some nodule-specific cysteine-rich peptides could have an impact on the exchange of metabolites between the nitrogen-fixing endosymbionts and their host cells in the legume nodule. Symbiotic interactions in need of transporters. Section 3. Could the facilitation of metabolite exchange be a more widespread function in symbiotic antimicrobial peptides? For answering this question, one place to look at are bacterial endosymbiotic systems within the insects. Millions of years of coevolution of the insect hosts with their specific intracellular bacterial symbionts have streamlined host and symbiont genomes in such a way that essential metabolic pathways needed for survival of the holobiont, or the host plus endosymbionts, are perfectly reconstituted by the contributions of multiple genomes, one host genome plus one, one or several endosymbiont genomes. A repercussion of this intriguing picture of metabolic collaboration is that coordinated exchange of manifold metabolites between the different cellular entities that constitute the multipartite interaction is required. Alternatively, transport of host-encoded enzymes into the endosymbiont could complete the endosymbiont's pathway, similar to the situation in mitochondria or plastids. To what extent protein trafficking from the host to bacterial symbionts occurs in different symbiotic associations is currently unknown. However, a proteome study 
of P. aphid Buchnera symbiosis demonstrates that at least in this interaction, proteins are not, or to a very limited extent, targeted from the bacteriocytes to the Buchnera symbionts. Bacteriocytes are the endosymbiont-containing insect cells that form together the bacteriome. So these results argue for an exchange of the metabolites rather than the enzymes. Thus, the metabolic collaboration requires transporters that shuttle diverse metabolites across cellular membranes that separate the bacteria from the bacteriocytes. Within the bacteriocytes, thousands of symbiont cells are located, each surrounded not only by their own inner and outer bacterial membranes, but additionally by so-called symbiosome membrane of host origin. The host genome encodes plenty of transporters that are potentially involved in metabolite transport across host-derived symbiotic membranes, that is, the membrane of the bacteriocytes and the symbiosome membranes. However, the transport across the bacterial membrane is a puzzle. A recurrent theme in the genomes of bacterial endosymbionts of insects and other hosts is that the genome reduction process has removed nearly all transporters encoded in the ancestral bacterial genomes. These genes these gene losses indicate a relaxation of selective pressure on endosymbiont-encoded transporters in spite of the need of extensive metabolite exchange across the symbiont-delimiting membranes. This suggests that a new transport mechanism has taken over their role. In principle, host-encoded transporters could be inserted into the endosymbiont membranes. Indeed, in different endosymbiotic systems, soluble host-encoded proteins have been recorded, have been reported to be transported to endosymbionts through a secretory pathway. But if targeting mechanisms evolved also for the insertion of membrane proteins into the inner symbiont membrane is uncertain. So far, no symbiont-targeted host-derived solute transporters have been reported from any endosymbiotic association. Also, the P. aphid Buchnera proteome analysis did not reveal any such transporters. Thus, these symbiotic systems potentially suffer from a deficit of substrate-specific transporters that could account for the extensive metabolite traffic across the bacterial membranes needed to make the symbiosis function. Section 4. AMP-mediated metabolite exchange as a general tool to harness bacterial symbionts? Bacterial membrane permeabilization by symbiotic antimicrobial peptides, as exemplified by the legume nodule-specific cysteine-rich peptides, or the Alnes peptide AG5, offers an exciting possibility to solve the enigma of metabolite transport to and from bacterial endosymbionts. P. aphids produce a small family of peptides, the bacteriocyte-specific cysteine-rich, or BCR, peptides, 
that are highly and specifically expressed in the bacteriocytes. Bacteriocyte-specific cysteine-rich peptides are secretory peptides, which are most likely transported to the symbiosomes via the secretory pathway. Within the symbiosomes, they could, similar to the alnus peptide AG5 or the legume nodule-specific cysteine-rich peptides, target the bacterial membranes of the endosymbionts and permeabilize them, which would enable metabolite exchange with the host by diffusion over a concentration gradient. Complementary metabolic functions encoded by host and symbiont genomes in combination with missing symbiont-encoded transporters is not restricted to the aphid buchanera symbiosis. Further examples from the insects are the cicadas and their Hodgkinia and Celsia co-symbionts, and some mealybugs, which have a symbiont, Tremblia, carrying its own bacterial endosymbiont, Moronella endobia. The metabolic cooperation involved in the co-symbionts and host genomes are pushed to extreme levels in these systems, and yet again, the bacterial transporters that would establish metabolic connectivity are missing. Furthermore, metabolic integration in the absence of symbiont-encoded transporters has been frequently reported in other types of symbiotic interaction, including various protist symbioses as well as extracellular symbionts in insect guts. It will be exciting to screen the genomes and transcriptomes of these different symbiotic systems for the presence of antimicrobial peptide-like peptide genes. Those would be good candidates for mediating collaboration in these symbioses. Mechanistic Considerations, Section 5. Antimicrobial peptide-induced membrane permeabilizations result in a loss of the membrane barrier function and permit the flow of metabolites across the membrane. Some models for membrane permeabilization invoke the formation of water-filled pores formed by these antimicrobial peptides, reminiscent of protein channels, or composed of membrane lipids resulting from AMP-induced curvature of the lamellar membrane layer. However, modeling the flow of metabolites across such pores along a concentration gradient predicts the extremely rapid release of small molecules in a fraction of a second, which is contradictory to experimental observation on synthetic vesicles. Such experiments show an incomplete, slow, and transient leakage of molecules from AMP-treated vesicles. To account for these observations, other models, like the interfacial activity model, predict partitioning of the peptide in the interfacial region of lipid bilayers, provoking a transient failure of the lipid barrier and transient leakage of molecules. Symbiotic antimicrobial peptides have membrane-disruptive activities Poor models for their in vivo mode of action would be hard to reconcile with the maintenance of metabolic active endosymbionts because pores would permanently dissipate the proton motor force, which is essential 
for oxidative phosphorylation and endosymbiont survival. By contrast, transient disruptions of the membrane and proton motor force could be compatible with endosymbiont functioning. Interestingly, this type of temporal disruption occurs naturally in bacteria, is enhanced by stress, and is accompanied by the flow of charged small molecules across the bacterial membrane. Thus, symbiotic antimicrobial peptides might promote temporal membrane disruptions in the endosymbionts, thereby enhancing the flow of metabolites across the membrane and enabling metabolite exchange with the host cell. Transient membrane permeabilization in conjunction with the regulation of the activity of the symbiotic antimicrobial peptides could, by feedback loops, generate a cyclic series of transient depolarizations and regeneration events. There are a number of possibilities to control the symbiotic antimicrobial peptides. Controlling peptide concentration or producing peptide mixtures with antagonistic effects is one of them. The peptides may be regulated by resistance mechanisms in the bacteria, such as peptide uptake transporters overcoming the toxicity of the symbiotic antimicrobial peptides, or modifications that repel charged antimicrobial peptides and increase AMP resistance. Other mechanisms are the redox status of the environment and the action of theoredoxins, or thioredoxins the concentration of bivalent ions and its modulation by calmodulin-like proteins, the environmental pH and post-transcriptional modification of the peptides. As a consequence of their different design, bacterial membranes are affected by antimicrobial peptides while eukaryotic ones are not. Thus, Symbiotic antimicrobial peptides leave the host-derived symbiosomal membrane untouched and permeabilize only the endosymbiont envelope. The confinement of intracellular endosymbionts within the symbiosome membrane, which is usually closely juxtaposed to the bacterial envelope, make the effective extracellular space around the, bacterial, around the bacteria extremely small probably smaller than the volume of the bacterial cytosol. Because of this particular situation, bacterial metabolites will flow only partially out of the cell and will enter immediately in contact with the host-encoded transporters into the symbiosome membrane for transport into the host cell cytoplasm. At the same time, host-derived metabolites can concentrate into the small extracellular space and flow efficiently into the bacterial cell during membrane depolarization. The small extracellular space should also facilitate the rapid rebuilding of an electrochemical proton gradient after a period of depolarization. In some symbiotic systems, the membrane status of the endosymbionts is uncertain. For example, the Paulinella chromatophore is surrounded by only two membranes with a peptidoglycan layer in between them.
Thus, the outer chromatophore membrane could be homologous to the bacterial outer membrane, and the symbiosome membrane may be lost. Nevertheless, the outer membrane likely has features of a host-derived membrane, since nuclear-encoded chromatophore-targeted peptides seem to traffic through the Golgi, likely resulting in the fusion of Golgi vesicles with the outer chromatophore-surrounding membrane. Such a mosaic membrane could be resistant to host antimicrobial peptides, while only the cytoplasmic membrane may be permeabilized by such peptides, which would result in a similar configuration as endosymbionts, which do have a symbiosomal membrane. Still, in other symbiotic systems, the symbionts are extracellular, as in the gut crypts of the stink bugs. However, in these symbioses, the bacteria nearly completely occupy the available extracellular space in the symbiotic organ in which they are confined, thereby again enormously reducing the volume of the extracellular space, potentially avoiding dilution of metabolites. Did antimicrobial peptides facilitate the onset of mitochondrion and plastid organellogenesis? The proposal that antimicrobial peptides mediate metabolic integration can be extended to the origin of endosymbiont-derived organelles in eukaryotic cells. The mitochondrion and primary plastid evolved from an alpha proteobacteria and the cyanobacterial endosymbiont, respectively. Organellogenesis poses a metabolite transport problem analogous to the one encountered in recent symbioses. Although current-day mitochondrion plastids are served by dozens of nuclear-encoded transporters that are targeted to the organelle, in the very first stages of organelle evolution, such a specific transporters would not have existed. A relatively long evolutionary time would have been required before all transporters were set in place while the establishment of a stable association between host and bacterium must have been rapidly functional to be maintained by selection, and thus must have relied on a pre-existing mechanism enabling the exchange of metabolites. Antimicrobial peptides are found in all domains of life, including the archaea and the bacteria. It seems possible that the ancestors of the eukaryotes were already equipped with antimicrobial peptides and used them just like the present-day amoeba, as part of their tools for their predatory lifestyle and or immune system to, per to permeabilize the membranes of prey and pathogenic bacteria. Maybe a host had an attenuated arsenal of peptides, which made the bacterial membrane only porous, which was sufficient to extract metabolites, but insufficient to kill the prey or pathogen. And the bacterial partner could have been particularly resistant to antimicrobial peptides, as many bacteria actually are, because its cell envelope was less prone to be completely perforated by the host's antimicrobial peptides, or because it had appropriate transporters that removed the peptides from the membrane. This hypothesis is complementary to a recent proposal that transit peptides, TPs, are of antimicrobial peptide origin, 
Antimicrobial peptides and transit peptides have structural similarities and the shared capacity to interact with membranes. Moreover, antimicrobial activity has been reported for some transit peptides. This relationship between transit peptides and antimicrobial peptides has led to the suggestion that the first transit peptides were actually host antimicrobial peptides. In this scenario, a similar and similarly to our hypothesis, a host with an ingested organelle precursor targeted nuclear-encoded antimicrobial peptides to its prey, but the future organelle possessed a sufficiently strong resistance to persist the antimicrobial peptides. This resistance mechanism is supposed to have involved an AMP uptake transporter, an intracellular proteolytic degradation of the antimicrobial peptides. Among the defense mechanisms against antimicrobial peptides characterized in present-day bacteria are indeed different types of peptide transporters. Subsequently, rearrangements in the host genome could have led to the fusion of antimicrobial peptide genes with genes encoding proteins that have to be targeted to the incipient organelle. The resulting composite genes would encode proteins that are competent for import into the organelle through the pre-existing peptide importer into the organelle that, that, was, that originally was used in AMP defense. It was proposed that these peptide uptake transporters are at the origin of the TIC-TOC and TIM-TOM translocons of plastids and mitochondria for import of nuclear-encoded proteins. These protein machineries have indeed components of bacterial origin which could be derived from an antimicrobial protein import complex. Moreover, organelles have dedicated proteases to degrade transit peptides once translocation is completed. These proteases could derive from the AMP-degrading proteases in the organellar predecessor. Recently, it was reported that some rhizobia possess an M16 family zinc metalloprotease named HRRP that is capable of degrading the host nodule-specific cysteine-rich peptides, helping these rhizobia to escape the terminal differentiation process and proliferate more abundantly within nodule tissues. We note that the proteases that remove transit peptides from mitochondrial and plastid precursor proteins and the proteases that degrade liberated transit peptides are also M16 family zinc metalloproteases. Thus, evoking antimicrobial peptides has great explanatory power for two key stages of organelle evolution. The integration of host and endosymbiont, metabolism, and the specific targeting of nuclear-encoded proteins to the organelles including the origin of the transit peptides and their translocons. Concluding remarks. We propose here 
that symbiosis-specific variants of antimicrobial peptides that derive from ancient effectors of the innate immunity are mediators of metabolic integration and endosymbiosis. These symbiotic antimicrobial peptides link the metabolic network of host and endosymbiont by their ability to self-integrate into bacterial membranes and thereby facilitate metabolite exchange across these membranes. The insertion of symbiotic antimicrobial peptides into the endosymbiont membranes makes bacterial transporters and metabolic enzymes whose products can now be easily and in high quantities obtained from the host cytoplasm superfluous and may contribute to accelerate endosymbiont genome erosion. Potentially, symbiotic antimicrobial peptides had a similar role in the early times of life history, when the ancestors of organelles became stably integrated within a host cell. Other symbiotic AMPs may fulfill divergent functions that help the host to gain control over its bacterial endosymbiont, such as the legume nodule-specific cysteine-rich peptides, which affect the cell cycle and the differentiation of the rhizobial endosymbionts. The metabolic linker function of symbiotic antimicrobial peptides is testable by a panel of experiments, for example, using reverse genetics in tractable organisms where gene inactivation is possible, characterizing the activity of the peptides in vitro, determining their subcellular localization, and by genomics in a large range of eukaryotic hosts to trace the existence of candidate peptides. Turning back time to the origin of eukaryotes is obviously impossible, and thus we will never be sure about the role of antimicrobial peptides during organellogenesis. But understanding present-day endosymbioses can offer some reasonable guesses.